Thank you, Blair and uh, team, for leading us in worship this morning. It's good stuff. I um, was coming to the church this morning and hit a barricade. Did anybody else? Was the barricade still there? When you hit a barricade because of a marathon, that's called a runaround. That got the run. Is this on? Hello? Check. One, two. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Crosspoint. We're glad that you are here. Um, I have an exciting announcement to make. If you're into that kind of thing, I like exciting announcements. Um, we had two unexpected resignations uh, this summer. Um, kind of follows me in ministry. Wherever I go, people resign. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, but, but there were two unexpected ones with uh, Dave and, and Kathy, which left us needing to fill some very important ministry roles. And as a staff and a board and a church, I mean, we're all ready to get going, get moving and get into the fall. And we want to see... Um, you know, great things happen in our church, and we're excited and all of that, but we needed to fill some important ministry roles. And earlier this summer, we took a few of those openings, the, the office administration, that, that role, and the discipleship, spiritual formation, spiritual growth role, and the front line, and we put those together, and we prayed, and we discussed it, and we trusted God, and your board was very diligent in the, in the process uh, and very responsible in the process. And we had uh, an incredible candidate right here in our congregation. And we have someone with a ministry degree from Kingswood University, someone with a call to ministry, someone here who loves this church, who grew up in Fredericton, who wants to see Crosspoint, um, you know, thrive and succeed and do all that God has called her to do. Um, and so I couldn't be more excited this morning to announce that, uh, and welcome to our staff team, Ashley Kugel. So, yeah. She's one of us and uh, has a call to ministry and was wondering, you know, what do I do with this call to ministry? And, uh, well, you here, serve at Crosspoint. Pretty cool. And uh, Kenzie Schultz, our new pastor of youth and young adults, is here this morning as well. Kenzie just got uh, moved in somewhere in the city. I'll find out where you live later, but he's here somewhere. And uh, welcome again to those of you watching online this morning. Thanks for joining us. We're glad that you are here as well. So uh, anybody else notice a little change in the temperature? Right? It's like someone throws a switch, you know, and we should know it's coming. It, it does happen every year, I think. And, um, and uh, you know, this is the last Sunday of our summer series this is nine weeks that I've been back at Crosspoint already, hard to believe. And so we're wrapping up identity theft this morning. We're going to start our fall series next Sunday. Our fall series is called Go. It's very simple. Go. It's go time in the church. It's go time. You know, it's back to school and all that sort of thing. It's go time in a lot of ways, maybe in your own life, where it's, okay, it's time for me to get going in, in a lot of ways. And so we're excited about that. And uh, hopefully, well, not hopefully, I know because of Kenzie and Ashley, there'll be some new things starting in the church. Uh, new Brunswick is green. New Brunswick's going to stay green. And uh, it's go time, right? So we're looking forward to that. 
So Identity Theft, the series, we started the series with Moses uh, and seeing God in a burning bush. That was one end of the series. And we're finishing the series with Paul and his radical encounter with, with Jesus. There's some similarities, I think, between the two stories where Paul um, sees Jesus in all of his glory. We can't do a series on identity theft without talking about this person who was Saul, and then he meets Jesus, and he becomes Paul, and he has this radical encounter with Jesus. And I want to say this morning, I want you to hear this morning, um, we, we learn from Paul's life that you don't have to be defined by your past, right? Your past does not define you or does not need to define you. You are not the labels that others put on you, right? <laughs> Paul had a lot of labels for a lot of reasons, but, but God saw him as something different. You are not the lies that the enemy tells you. You have tremendous value and worth to the creator. God is crazy about you. God loves watching you be or become the person who he created you to be. God, God designed you to live in your God-given identity. And life happens. And, and we've been talking about that this summer, that you know we all have this God-given identity, but then we get hit by life. Life happens. And life can steal your identity from you. And I've shared some of my, my own experiences. I mean, some of the pits that I found myself in were my own fault. Some of the situations or, or just things I found myself, I would say, Tim Guptill, you, you caused that. It was your own decisions. And then some of the other pits in my life were, were people close to me, betrayed me, shoved me, whatever you want to say, and, um, and life, life happens. There have been times in my life when it has felt like I was in the zone. I was living in my God-given identity, and I just knew it. And there have been other times in my life where I've looked up in the sky and said, God, what is going on? Like, this does not make sense. And I have felt very far from my God-given identity. So life is full of identity thieves. And our prayer for you as a church, for all of you, our prayer for you is that, is, and for every person watching online, our prayer for you, is that in the name of Jesus, you would defeat uh, those, those things, those identity thieves, those things that are trying to steal your identity, that they, would, that they would not be victorious over you, but you and Jesus would be victorious over them, that you would rise above those things, that you would just have a sense that I'm living in God's purpose and I'm walking in God's purpose, and, and those things that are trying to defeat me are being defeated in the name of Jesus. And then we also said this summer that churches can lose their identity. And wow, I mean, do we ever know that that is, that is true? It happens all the time. Sometimes churches find themselves far away from, from uh, God's purpose for, for the church. Um, churches are far from perfect. And if you're looking for a perfect church, like you just, you're, there are no perfect churches. And, and even if you stay home at the first church of me, myself, and I, that's not perfect, right? It's, it's not perfect. Um, so Crosspoint's not perfect, but I like it. I, I think it's, 
We're not perfect, but I think we're a good church. I really do. Yeah, like three of you. You come here, you must think it's a good church. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't... Uh, <laughs> I don't like that place, but I'm going to go again. Like, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. You, you, you love Crosspoint. Um, church should be a tremendous place of love and encouragement, of worship and prayer, of sacrifice, of giving, of serving one another, of caring for the least of these. And we talked about that in this series. There is a picture of the church in the New Testament that is both radical and beautiful. And if you described, if you described the church of the New Testament to your non-church friends, but you didn't use the word church, because as soon as you use the word church, we talked about this last week, right? So don't use that word. But if you described a place that is loving, a place that is caring, a place that, that is encouraging, non-judgmental, hello, that, that serves one another, that goes out into the community and serves the least of these, that cares for, for brothers and sisters. Like if you described a place like that, people would lean in and say, do you know of a place like that? Because I'd be interested in a place like that. And so there's a picture of the church in the New Testament that is both radical and beautiful and attractive, really. We often say that nothing is impossible with God. And it's also true that no one is impossible with God. And that's Paul's story. Nothing is impossible. So if you've ever used the term, well, you're just impossible. No, they're not. No one is impossible with God. Another thing that I've, I've often heard people say, and I've probably said it myself as well, that's just the way God made me. You know, it's just the way I am. Well, God can, God can change anyone or anything, and, and nothing is impossible, and no one is impossible with God. And if you could have gathered all the, all the Jesus followers in the first century, if there was a way that you could have gotten them all together for one big, massive assembly, and you had said to that crowd, who is the one person least likely to become a Jesus follower? The crowd would have said, Saul of Tarsus. That guy is nuts. That guy is out to kill us. That guy is, is trying to destroy the church. That guy would be the last person on earth that we would ever think would become a Jesus follower. Pretty cool, isn't it? It's pretty cool. Paul's, Paul's venom and, and his, his mission to persecute the church was well documented. Everybody, everybody knew him. He was an expert in religious law. He was an expert in Jewish culture. He, um, he had given his life at that point to, and, and this is the word that I mean, to exterminating to, to ridding the world of all these little Jesus followers, all those little Christ, exterminating them. He, was, he had given his life to that. And then he met Jesus. <laughs> and boy, when you meet Jesus, everything changes after that. After you experience and encounter the resurrected 
Jesus. And that might happen to you this morning. Somebody might have invited you to church. You might have just found, you might be watching online. Somebody might say, hey, could you know, watch this. However you found this, you might encounter Jesus the way that Paul encountered Jesus. It might not be, you know, lights and you know, from the sky, and it might not be an audible voice, but you still might encounter Jesus. And, and after you meet the resurrected Jesus, you're never the same again. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 9 that this guy named Saul was on the road to Damascus to round up any followers of the way. So he had, in Jerusalem, Paul had reached out to the, the, the high priest in Jerusalem, okay, the church, the religious people. He, he, he reached out to them and said, can you give me some letters and we're going to send those off to Damascus and tell Damascus, I'm coming. I'm coming for those Jesus people and I'm going to round them up and I'm going to put them in chains and I'm going to haul them back to Jerusalem and we are going to, to try them and judge them for, for following this Messiah person that they believe in. And many people would have been incarcerated or, or punished to death or whatever. And Paul says, give me some letters, send them off to Damascus, tell Damascus Paul's coming and he's gonna round up all the Jesus followers. And, and you think you've had a bad church experience, <laughs> right? I mean, I've had some bad church experiences, but, but that's a doozy, right? I mean, you didn't want Paul to show up at your church back then. So on his way to destroy the church, Jesus meets him and calls him to build the church. It's, it's, it's just amazing. All right, Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 3. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission... A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless. I, yeah, I bet they did. Right? For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. We'll pause it right there. On his way to arrest others, because of Jesus, Paul gets arrested by Jesus. God interrupts Paul's plans with God's plans. I don't know if you've ever had your life interrupted by God or not. I know I have. I know there's been times in my life where I was just, you know, doing my thing and headed in my direction and God just, boom, you know. And the blindness for three days probably is, is representing Jesus' death and burials, probably the reason why God blinds him for three days. And Paul is about to experience his own resurrection. Just as Jesus was resurrected after three days, Paul's going to be blind and in the darkness for three days, and then God is going to resurrect Paul and, uh, and bring him back to life. 
Paul's chains are going to be broken. God is going to release Paul from his prison of hatred and ignorance towards Jesus. And as I said earlier, you might not see a blinding light. You might not have a burning bush. You might not get an audible voice. But God might show you his glory just the same. God might, God might show you his glory through a praying friend or a sunset or a newborn baby, as we've said before, or a preacher from Graham and Ann on a long weekend Sunday at Cross Point Church. Like God, you know, he speaks to us all in different ways. And it's not a dramatic change is more important than a dramatic event. Don't, don't worry about the dramatic event. You know, Paul got one and Moses got one, and that's okay. God might just whisper your name this morning. God might just nudge you in your heart and say, I'm here. I'm, I'm here, and, and I'm, I'm real, and I'm alive. And God might just, just might nudge you this morning or whisper your name. A dramatic change is more important than a dramatic event. Now, if they, if they replay the Bible's greatest hits in heaven, like if we get to eat popcorn and watch God's home movies in heaven, I'd like to see this one. I'd like to see Paul and his band of thugs on their way to Damascus, loaded up with chains and all this stuff, and we're going to go get us some Christians, and we're going to round them up, and we're going to haul them back to Jerusalem. I'd love to see Paul and his band of thugs Bam, out of nowhere, Jesus just hits them with a, with a light out of heaven and speaks his name and, and says, Paul, you know, where are you going? What are you doing? And it wasn't the direction that was bad. It was the intention. It's not like God said, no, you're not going to Damascus. It wasn't the direction. It's like, yeah, you are going into Damascus, but we're going to change the mission from your mission to my mission, right? We're going to change your heart. And so God sent him into Damascus. You know, there's a big difference between doing life on your terms and doing life with, with a sense of purpose and meaning for Jesus. And Jesus asked Paul, why? Why? And, and maybe this morning, maybe, maybe that's a good question for you to consider. Why is my life going in the direction that it is going? Why am I making the decisions that I am making? And Jesus asked Paul, why? Paul, why are you doing this? And, and maybe, maybe you just need to think that over this morning. Why? You might be on the verge of a really bad decision. You might be in the process, and maybe you've been making a lot of bad decisions. And maybe you just need, not me, not me, maybe you just need to hear God ask you this morning, why, why are you doing that? Why are you going in that direction? And Jesus shows up and says to Saul, why? Why are you doing that? I have a friend named Rick who wanted to be a missionary, and um, he kept failing at, a, at being a missionary. <laughs> he, was, he was a terrible missionary. I, if you could hear him tell his story, um, it's, it's kind of comical, because he'll say, you know, I, I went with this group, and I tried to do that, and it was horrible. And I went here, and I tried to do that, and it, nothing worked. And, and all he wanted to do was be a missionary. And uh, so in between his missionary failures, <laughs> he had to, you know, generate some income. And any time that Rick put his hand towards business, he succeeded. And he, and he was really bothered by that. He's like, God, 
I, I, I want to be a missionary. And yet every time I do these other things, you, you, you bless me. And eventually God got it through to his head. Rick, I want you to make money and give money to support other missionaries. Missionaries need people with money. Right? This is true. Right? So, so the last time I'd, I'd heard from Rick, he was giving like 50% of his income to missions to, to support missionaries. And, um, and I, just, I just love that story of, of uh, you know, thinking that I'm doing the right thing, but God's showing up and changing my direction, all that sort of stuff. And I, I hope it fits with Paul and his story. If not, it's just a neat story. Maybe it doesn't fit, but it's a good one. So Paul and Jesus have church in the middle of the road. And Paul comes out of this little church service blind. And he doesn't eat or drink for three days. I think of last Sunday, we talked about the older son in Luke chapter 15, who expected, because he was doing the right things, he expected the father to do good things for him. And Paul comes out of his first church service blind and hungry. What if you come to Jesus and things get worse? Like, what if you come to Jesus and he takes you through a, a valley or a shadow or a difficult season? Are you okay with that? Are, are, are we okay trusting God with our lives even when the lights go out? And God takes something from us? I don't know. Like, I feel like, I feel like, like if I was Paul, I might have said, you know, oh, great. You know, I finally meet Jesus and he takes my eyesight from me. Like, this is this off to a good start, God. Like, yeah, I can't wait to follow you. I can't wait to see what's next. Right? And the scripture actually says that Jesus says, like, like I'm going to persecute Paul. It's, it's here in Acts. We're, we're going to read it. It's, it's there. What if, God, what if God takes you through something difficult? Are you okay with that? Um, I'm going to say something here that, that will only make sense in this context. And if you, if you share this tomorrow at work, out of context, your, people, your friends are going to think you go to quite a church. But anyhow... Paul, the stoner, is about to get stoned. <laughs> he, he, he was there at Stephen's stoning. Paul was there cheering it on as people threw stones at the apostle Stephen until he was dead. Paul was a stoner, and he's about to get stoned. Tracking with me? He, he's going to be stoned. People are going to throw stones at him for following Jesus. So be careful how you share that one when you're talking to people tomorrow. He's going to be wearing the, the chains that he has prepared for others. He's going to be wearing them. The, the prison cells that he thought he had reserved, he's going to be sitting in those prison cells himself. He's going to be beaten and dragged out of the city and left for dead. Not because God doesn't love him, because God loved him enough to, to save him and transform him and call him and use him. Wow. 
God loves him. And, and Paul's met Jesus, and he's in love with Jesus. And he comes out of this experience fully convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the resurrected Son of God. Jesus is the hope of the world. And Paul is fully convinced of this, and he will not be stopped. So stone me. You know, beat me, drag me. You know, do, it's okay. I, Jesus is the Son of God. He's the hope of the world. Paul knows the change in his heart and in his life. And it's that change in his heart that makes him unstoppable. And if, if God can take someone like Paul and, and turn him into the, the evangelist, the missionary that he was, can't he do anything? Can't, can't he change any one of us? Can, can he not do anything in our lives here this morning? He can. No thing is impossible and no one is impossible. When life comes at you hard, and it will, right? You're either in a valley, coming out of a valley, or going towards a valley. That's the good news. That's life. And when life comes at you hard, know, know that you are still covered by the favor of God. (laughs) He's in that fire with you, and nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. Paul goes on to write almost two-thirds of the New Testament, One of my favorite writings of his is from Romans chapter 8, where he said this. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? I mean, Paul was the condemner. He says, who who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. That was Paul before he met Jesus. No, he says, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I I just, that, those are the words from someone who has met Jesus, from someone whose life has been resurrected, from someone who, uh, who has been filled with hope and fully convinced that Jesus is the Son of God. Continuing in Acts chapter 9, Luke tells us that Paul's friends led him into Damascus. So he does go into Damascus. And God calls a believer in Damascus named Ananias and tells him through a vision what has happened to this Saul of Tarsus. And God uh, asks Ananias to go lay hands on Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias says, 
I'm sorry, you must have the wrong number. God, that guy is, he is straight up nuts. He's crazy. He's out to kill us. I'm not, I'm not going over there. He will kill me. I'm not going over there. And um, so it's verse 15. We'll pick it up again. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. And that's the title of our series next week, go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer, there it is, for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, don't kill me. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. But then he got up and was baptized. I love it. And afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. God, God took Saul's eyesight from him. He took something from him to give him something better. And sometimes God does that. Sometimes God might take something from you and you think, Lord, what's, what's the deal? What's up with that? But it's because God has something better in mind. God had to close the eyes of his head in order to open the eyes of his heart. God had to get his attention. God was doing something in Paul's life that would fuel his ministry and his passion. And Ananias shows up and puts his hands on him and calls him Brother Saul. So churchy. I love it. Brother Saul, Jesus sent me so you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this morning, friends... I love, us. I love this church. I love each one of us. But some of us need to regain our sight. Some of us need to have our eyes opened again by the Holy Spirit. Have our, our sight regained because we've been looking at our situation through our own eyes. And we need to pray a prayer, something like this. Lord, help me to see what you see. Open the eyes of my heart. Get these scales off of my eyes. In this series called Identity Theft, God, open my heart to who you created me to be every day. Lord, help me to see hurting people who are all around me. Help me to see them. Help me to see opportunities to show the love of Jesus. I mean, you, if you go to work tomorrow, don't just, don't just you know, drag yourself through work and like, oh, I can't wait to get out of here. Open your eyes. Lord, who around me uh, needs you? Why have you put me here? Who can I encourage? Where is my life headed? Why am I, you know, ask these questions. Lord, open the eyes of my heart. How can I make a difference? Second part of verse 19. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately, he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is indeed the son of God. So the synagogues were expecting Saul to, they were expecting him, they'd receive letters. And he gets there, and instead of rounding up the Jesus people, he, he gets there and he starts preaching. No, 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 no. <laughs> Jesus is alive. Jesus is the Son of God. It's awesome. There have been a few times in my life when it felt like I could reach out and touch the very presence of God. I mean, 
we all, I think we all know, or I shouldn't have said that, that's generalizing too much, but many of us in this room know what it feels like to be thick in the presence of God where you just feel like you could reach out and, and touch him. One of those times, I was at a church conference in Dallas, Texas with Stephen and Ruth Woodworth, who many of you would know. And I was having dinner with Stephen and Ruthie this past week, and we got talking about, about that time when the three of us, it was out of this world, the presence of God. And I thought, I just felt prompted, okay? I'm, I'm going I'm to share that story. I'm not sure how it fits with, with Saul and Paul and identity theft, but I'm going to share this story and, um, and let, see what God wants to do with this. The worship service that we were in was a large church and a large church conference, and the worship service was so anointed by God. I don't know how to explain it other than I, it felt like my feet were off the ground. And a few times I looked down to see if my feet were off the ground. And I, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not trying to, you know, it's just what it was. And I felt like I could fly. And I thought, God, I, I think I'm going to, I just don't know what's going to happen. Like, I just was so overwhelmed in the presence of God. And then Bishop T.D. Jakes got up to preach. Now, I don't know if you know Bishop Jakes or not. He's a big man. And he's got a big, booming, preachy voice that I do not have. You know, get ready, get ready, get ready. You know, he's got this big, you know, heavy, preachy voice. And he just comes out on the stage and he, he reads the story from Luke chapter 24. It's just after the resurrection. And there's two men walking from Jerusalem to, on the, the road to Emmaus. And they had been in Jerusalem for the arrest of Jesus, the trial of Jesus, the punishment of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the missing body of Jesus. And they're, they're walking home talking about this. And as they're walking, Jesus, Jesus comes up alongside them, but hides his identity from them. They don't know who he is. And so they just start talking. What are you talking about? And they say, oh, well, where have you been? Under, under a rock? And it's like, well, sort of. <laughs> and then, um, that wasn't in the first service, Ashley. I should have used that in the first service. So anyhow... <laughs> Um, and so Jesus, they don't know who he is, but as they're walking, Jesus unpacks all of scripture and helps them to see how all of scripture was, was pointing towards the events that just happened. All of the prophecies, all of it were pointing towards God sending his son and how the Messiah must be crucified, like how all of these things must happen. The, the Messiah must take our punishment, our cross, our tomb. And Bishop Jake shared with us how God had led him to that text, but he didn't know why. And God just kept telling him, read it again. So he said, I read it again, and I didn't see anything. And God said, read it again, and I read it again. And I did. He said, I just kept reading it over and over and over. And Lord, what do you want me to see? And then there it was. It wasn't until Jesus 
took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. And when Jesus took the bread, there was something in that sequence of events. He took it and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it and the scales fell off their eyes and their eyes were open and they said, it's you. You're, they saw him. It's, you've been with us all along. It's you. You're Jesus. You're the son of God. There was something in that sequence of events of Jesus taking the bread and blessing it and then breaking it and then giving it. He took it. He blessed it. He broke it and he gave it. And Pastor Jakes just kept repeating that over and over. I don't know how many times he just repeated it over and over. Jesus took it and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it, and he took it, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it. I mean, the man, he must have repeated that 20 times. And then he started working his way through scripture, and he started back with Adam in the garden, and he said, didn't God take him and bless him? But then he broke him, and then he gave him. And Bishop Jakes went on to Abraham, and he said, didn't God take him and bless him? But then he broke him. And he gave him. Then he went to Moses. Didn't God take him? And he blessed him. And he broke him. And he gave him. And then he went to David. And didn't God take him? And he blessed him. But then he broke him. And then he gave him. And he just went all the way through scripture. And it was amazing. He got to, uh, he got to Jesus. The place was, by then the place was a standing ovation. And I'm People were cheering. We were all on our feet cheering. And he got to Jesus and he said, didn't God take him out of heaven? And he blessed him in the womb of a virgin. But then he broke him on the cross for our sins. And then he gave him to us. And it's the, the pattern of communion. It's the pattern of resurrection. And I don't know how to explain it to you other than that. And I think it, it, I think it works in, in, in Paul's story as well of God taking him and blessing him. And then he broke him and he gave him. And I know it's been true in my life. God took me several years ago, and he blessed me here at Cross Point. We had great years of blessing. And then he broke me in another place. I was clearly broken. And then he gave me. I'm, I'm here. And when I was pastoring here before, I was not broken. And I am now. And, and I... Would I have wanted it? No. Were there times in that broken season where I, where I wondered, God, what, why is this happening? Why am I going through this? It was brutal. But God needed to break me in order to give me. And maybe you're here this morning. You feel like, well, boy, I'm in the crusher right now. I mean, I mean, you know, you think God breaks people. I, I know what that's like in my life. Maybe you've been there before. Or maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I just want you to know that, that his promises are still true and he takes us and he blesses us, but sometimes he breaks us. And the breaking is for a reason. And I want to say this morning that I'm thankful that, that I've got this ministry limp that I carry now, this, this limp in my life, because I know that God is faithful and I don't always understand what he's doing, but his promises are true. And sometimes he takes something from you because he's got something better. And when Paul was blind, he could have said, you know, no, 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 no. This is, this is nuts. You people are crazy. But he didn't. He just trusted God. And, and through it all, I'm telling you, he breaks us so the light can shine through us. 
We're all a bunch of crackpots, aren't we? <laughs> right? We're just fragile j- clar- j- what? clay jars, clar jays, whatever. It's what we are. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you this morning. We don't have to earn your love, your favor. Um, Like the younger son, we just, when we come home, you run towards us and you love us. And sometimes, God, in that love, you break us and we go through things that are so painful and difficult and we don't understand why. And You want to use those things and you want to use us and you're not done with us and you're not done with Crosspoint. And, and that pattern's been true in Crosspoint's life where you, you took her and you blessed her and you broke her. And I believe, God, you're going to give Crosspoint another another season of, of wonderful ministry and blessing ahead. And Lord, there's people, people here right now this morning or people watching online who, who are in that broken stage, a valley, a shadow, whatever you want to call it. And, and, uh, and, and Lord, would you just come alongside them right now and encourage them and, and tell them it's going to be okay. And, and you, you haven't left them, you're with them and you're, you're doing this journey with them. And uh, they're going to come through. They're going to come through. And so, Lord, I, I want to pray this morning especially for anyone who, who has felt like they've been out of their identity. They've been away from who you created them to be, who you've made them to be, who you've called them to be. And uh, they're done with that, that season. And they want to step into uh, a, a new day a new season with you, and I pray that you would give them the courage to do that. And so uh, help us to trust you. Help us to, uh, to, to follow you with, with everything. I pray and ask in Jesus' name, and we all said amen, amen.